Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so today we're doing another Christmas holiday rerun episode that I recorded last year. Um, it's actually a chapter from the book uh, Nanny Piggins' Guide to Conquering Christmas. And the story is Nanny Piggins and the Christmas Carol Showdown. I hope you enjoy it. It all began innocently enough. Samson Wallace approached Nanny Piggins after school and asked if he could come over for a play date. Why? What's going on? What's Nanny Anne up to? asked Nanny Piggins suspiciously. Perhaps Samson just wants to come over to play, suggested Boris. Of course Samson wants to come over to play, said Nanny Piggins. We're a thousand times, if not a billion times, more fun to spend time with than his own Nanny, Nanny Anne, which is precisely why I know she would never condone him coming over here and asking for a play date unless she had some sinister ulterior motive. Nanny Piggins glared across the playground at Nanny Anne. Nanny Anne smiled back sweetly. Did you see that? asked Nanny Piggins. She smiled at me. She's clearly up to something. She always smiles at everyone, said Derek. I bet she even smiles at the dentist as he pulls her wisdom teeth out. Oh no, said Samson. Nanny Anne doesn't have wisdom teeth. She says they're unseemly, so she won't tolerate them growing in her mouth. Hmm, said Nanny Piggins as she considered the situation. While my natural instinct is to say yes to this playdate, to shelter this poor child from the overzealous hygiene of his own nanny for one short afternoon. Yes, exclaimed Samson excitedly. I feel that it is also my civic duty to get to the bottom of whatever dastardly plan Nanny Anne is clearly up to, said Nanny Piggins. You could try asking her, suggested Derek. Hmm, interesting idea, said Nanny Piggins. So you're suggesting that I ask her what she's up to, and then when she tells me a great big lie, I count the number of times I see her accelerated pulse beat in her jugular vein to see if it spells out a message in Morse code. No, I was just thinking you could ask her and see if she tells the truth, said Derek. That plan is so ridiculously crazy, said Nanny Piggins. It just might work. Nanny Piggins marched across the playground. The children followed close behind and confronted Nanny Anne. What are you up to, you dreadful woman? You could try not being rude, suggested Samantha. She might be more likely to tell you. Pish, said Nanny Piggins. You have to take a firm hand with all amoral degenerates. She confronted Nanny Anne once more. Why are you trying to palm this child off on me for the afternoon? What is it that you intend to do that can only be done in secret? 
I have no idea what you're talking about, said Nanny Anne, with a saccharine smile. Since Margaret is away on an outward-bound expedition, teaching homeless youths how to eat with table manners while surviving in the wilderness, I simply thought that Samson might enjoy spending the afternoon at your house. It's so important to expose children to the reality of how other people live. I thought it would do him good. You're lying, accused Nanny Piggins. Nanny Piggins, chided Michael. You know Isabella Dunkers prefers it if you accuse people of obfuscating the truth, as it's much easier for her to defend you against the subsequent slander charges. Well, I call a spade a spade, said Nanny Piggins. Or a shovel, because I don't really understand the difference. I've always found that trotters are a superior tool for digging anyway. If you don't want to take Samson for the afternoon, said Nanny Ann sweetly, that's just fine. I can imagine it must be exhausting for you to constantly be on the run from the police and mental health professionals. I'll just send Samson down to the coaching clinic instead, and they can spend three hours drilling him in maths. No! cried Nanny Piggins and Samson in unison. I'll report you for child abuse, accused Nanny Piggins. The police sergeant has explained this to you many times, Nanny Piggins, said Samantha. Maths homework is not considered, in the eyes of the law, to be child abuse. You humans are such a cruel species, said Nanny Piggins, dabbing a tear from the corner of her eye. Most animals simply bite their children on the leg to punish them. But you think up the cruel and inhumane punishment of maths homework. Would you like a chocolate bar? Boris held a bar of dairy milk out to his sister, seeing that she was getting genuinely upset. No, I'm all right, said Nanny Piggins, although she took the chocolate bar and ate it anyway. I'll take Samson for the afternoon. But if you are cooking up some wicked plan to take over the country or make the world turn the other way on its axis, I will find out and I will put a stop to it. That's lovely, said Nanny Anne with her sweet smile. Have fun, Samson. Make sure you don't eat any high GI foods. I'll be taking a blood sample later, so don't think you can get anything past me. Samantha, said Nanny Piggins, make a note. We will have to give Samson a blood transfusion after afternoon tea. And so Nanny Piggins, Boris, Samson Wallace and the Green Children set out walking for home. So what are we going to play first, asked Derek. And more importantly, what are we having for afternoon tea, asked Michael. There's no time for that, declared Nanny Piggins. The children and Boris gasped. (gasps) No time for afternoon tea, asked Samantha. What are you talking about? You always say that afternoon tea is the seventh most important meal of the day. After breakfast, second breakfast, third breakfast, lunch, dinner and midnight snacksies. I'm not saying we won't eat afternoon tea, said Nanny Piggins. Phew, said the children. I just said there was no time for afternoon tea, said Nanny Piggins. We'll have to eat it on the run as we follow Nanny Anne. Are we going to follow Nanny Anne, asked Samantha. Of course, said Nanny Piggins. She is clearly up to something, and we need to find out what, so we can report her to the police or citizens arrest her ourselves. You just want to tie her up with cooking twine, don't you, guessed Derek. Of course, agreed Nanny Piggins. I always carry a spool of it about my person, just in case I get the opportunity. Quick, everyone, into this bush. Derek, Samantha and Michael jumped straight in. They'd been looked after by Nanny Piggins for so long now that hiding in bushes on command had become a reflex for them. Samson, having had a more traditional upbringing, hesitated, so Nanny Piggins had to pick him up and throw him into the bush, then dive in behind him, just as Nanny Ann's elegant footwear could be heard clipping around the corner. She's coming this way, whispered Nanny Piggins. 
What are you going to do? asked Michael. Pull her into the bush and torture her until she reveals her secret. No, of course not, said Nanny Piggins. She's such a strange woman, she'd probably enjoy being tortured and call it character building. No, we'll simply follow her, catch her in whatever it is she's up to, leap out and wrestle her to the ground, tie her to a tree and call the police sergeant. If it all goes well, we should still get home in plenty of time for second afternoon tea. Now shush, we don't want her to hear us. Nanny Ann's thin legs walked right by the bush in which they were all hiding. Derek had to clap his hand over Samson's mouth, because just being near his nanny gave Samson an instinctive urge to blurt out a confession of whatever it was he'd done. It was hard to keep up with Nanny Ann because she walked so quickly, which really was a tribute to her sense of balance, because it's hard to walk in three-inch heels while holding your nose in the air. Nanny Ann also kept looking furtively over her shoulder to, as it turns out wisely, check to see if anyone was following her. So Nanny Piggins and the children kept having to dive into bushes and garbage bins. Fortunately, Nanny Piggins enjoyed diving into bushes and garbage bins. When you have to outrun authorities as much as she does, it's a necessary skill. They followed Nanny Ann down the road, past Hans Bakery. Nanny Ann glanced over her shoulder at this point, so they had an excuse to dive into the shop and buy three dozen sticky buns before resuming their mission. And eventually they followed her to a church, where she turned off the footpath. She's going to church, exclaimed Derek, on a Tuesday. She's probably going to ask for forgiveness, guessed Nanny Piggins. What for? asked Michael. Just a blanket forgiveness to cover all the wicked things she will inevitably do during the course of the week. Now we know where she is. Can we go home, asked Samantha? Of course not. Obviously we have to follow her inside, said Nanny Piggins, in case she's vandalising the building with spray paint or stealing property. What would she steal from a church, asked Michael. Who knows, said Nanny Piggins. Some thieves rip the wiring out of walls so they can strip it for copper. Samson, did you see Nanny Ann secreting a pair of pliers about her person at any stage during the day? I try not to look at her person, said Samson. I get a time out if I do. So they continued to follow her into the church grounds, down a winding path, past the locked church doors, to a small hall around the back. She must be in there, said Nanny Piggins, no doubt, subjecting someone less fortunate than herself to low-fat snack food. They were just approaching the building when a great noise burst forth. But it was not just any great noise. This noise was a stunningly beautiful five-part harmony. Leaping lamingtons, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. It's a choir of angels. Should we run away and hide, asked Boris. This was his go-to plan for most unexpected situations. Goodness no, said Nanny Piggins. If it is a choir of angels, it'd be rude not to say hello and invite them over for a slice of cake. Besides, I want to ask them if they have real butter in heaven. I've always assumed they must, or it wouldn't be heaven. But you never know. God might be a stickler for low cholesterol. So they snuck over to the window and sticky-beaked inside. But Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children were astonished to discover that the noise was not coming from a group of gossamer-clad heavenly angels, but a group of ordinary-looking, dowdy women led by Nanny Ann herself. Crikey, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. Nanny Ann has kidnapped a team of angels and is forcing them to wear drab clothes and bend them to her will. I don't think they are angels, said Derek. Look, there's Claudio's mother. He's in my class at school. And there's Eden's mum, said Samantha. I think Nanny Ann has been secretly training them for months with a strict, disciplined regime of endless rehearsals, said Nanny Piggins. 
Well, it worked, said Boris. They sound amazing. But at what cost, asked Nanny Piggins. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Michael, get the suede door kicking in slingbacks out of my handbag. It's a church hall. I'm sure you could just turn the handle, said Derek. I wouldn't give her the satisfaction, glowered Nanny Piggins. And with that, she swapped her shoes and with a hefty reverse sidekick, walloped a trotter into the door. But for the first time since the children had known her, Nanny Piggins kicked a door and it did not fall down. Ow, 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 said Nanny Piggins, clutching her trotter. What happened, asked Boris. Why is the door still standing? Someone has reinforced it, said Nanny Piggins. What with steel, asked Derek. Goodness no, said Nanny Piggins. I could easily kick down a steel door. If the pain in my trotter is correct, that ordinary wooden door has been lined with Air Force grade titanium. The door frame has been strengthened by geological mining bolts and the lock is a Smith & Bentley three-cylinder tumbler. You have a very knowledgeable trotter, observed Michael. When you've been kidnapped as often as I have, said Nanny Piggins, your trotter learns a thing or two about kicking down doors. But why on earth would the church have a door that's as strong as the door of a bank vault, asked Derek. Stronger, said Nanny Piggins. I once left a slice of Jamaican rum cake in a security deposit box by mistake and had to kick open the bank vault door to get it back in time to see the 2.30 session at the movies. And that door was a cinch compared to this one. No church would authorise the construction of such wildly overzealous security. This is the work of Nanny Ann. Nanny Piggins hopped back towards the church hall and rapped loudly on the window. Fortunately, the choir had reached the end of their song. What are you up to, you dreadful woman? Nanny Piggins yelled. On the inside, the mothers looked nervous, but Nanny Ann acted as though she couldn't hear a thing. You let me in right now, demanded Nanny Piggins. I demand to know what you're up to. I know what you're like. There's no way you could teach a group of women to sing so beautifully without a devious motive. Nanny Hey parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. continue to ignore Nanny Piggins. Fine, snapped Nanny Piggins. If you want to ignore me, then I shall give Samson chocolate cake for afternoon tea. Um, Nanny Piggins, said Samson, I think she knows you always give me chocolate and cake. That's why she always makes me eat a kilo of carrots and brush my teeth seven times as soon as I get back from your house. Nanny Piggins racked her mind, trying to think of what else she could do. If you don't tell me what you're up to... I'll put a raspberry stain on Samson's school shirt. Nanny Ann shuddered. She turned and glared at Nanny Piggins. There was no saccharine smile now. Nanny Ann said, well, Nanny Piggins couldn't hear what she said because, as well as reinforcing the door, she had double-glazed the windows and Nanny Ann did not believe in yelling. Instead, Nanny Ann walked over to the window and picked up what looked like a telephone receiver, just like someone on TV when they go to visit a prisoner in jail. Go away and leave us alone, Nanny Ann said into the receiver. They could hear her words clearly now because they were broadcast outside by a tiny speaker above their heads. 
Why have you trained this superb choir? asked Nanny Piggins. And more importantly, why did you not ask me to join it? I have trained this choir for the annual Carols by Candlelight concert in Cuthbert Park, said Nanny Anne proudly. I did not ask you to join because this is a choir and we sing Christmas carols. We don't oink them. The children gasped. <gasps> they realised now why Nanny Anne had installed such extensive security. They had never seen their nanny so angry. And she was pretty angry that time that Mr Green recorded the treasurer's address to the National Press Club over the top of the season finale of The Young and the Irritable. And that was the episode where Bridge discovered that he was his own twin brother. How dare you accuse Nanny Piggins, slamming her sling back into what she now realised was the highest calibre of bulletproof glass. You know I am an internationally renowned circus performer and my show business pizzazz would be an asset to any informal singing group. That is precisely why I didn't want you involved, said Nanny Anne. Pizzazz is undignified. Humph, said Nanny Piggins. In my opinion, dignity is highly overrated, along with accuracy, honesty, gravity and good spelling. Everyone says they're important, but in reality, none of them are. Go away, said Nanny Anne curtly. We have eight more hours of practice to do. They could hear the mother's groan behind her, but Nanny Anne glared at them and they fell silent. How are you getting these poor women to follow along with your deluded plans, asked Nanny Piggins. I bet you're withholding food, aren't you? None of the other mothers moved a muscle, although Derek could have sworn that he saw Carlos's mother nod ever so slightly before Nanny Anne's head whipped round to stare at them. Well, I shall go away, declared Nanny Piggins, to set up my own better singing group. With whom, scoffed Nanny Anne, I've already snapped up all the best singers in town. My choir shall consist of me, Boris and the children, announced Nanny Piggins proudly. What? wailed Samantha. She did not like performing publicly, especially when she had no idea what she was doing. So that I can trounce you all at the Carols by Candlelight concert, warned Nanny Piggins. You do realise that a Carols by Candlelight concert is not considered a competitive event? asked Derek. Pish! said Nanny Piggins. You've clearly had very little to do with professionals in the performing arts. They are cutthroat competitors. But unlike athletes... They don't eat properly, so they are much, much more immoral. Just look at Nanny Anne, and you will see how a deficiency of sugar in your diet can corrupt your very soul. So they all went home to prepare. This involved eating lots of cake, while Nanny Piggins flicked through the pages of a book of Christmas carols, tut-tutting and muttering things like, Abysmal! Utterly abysmal! and the things these people do to force a rhyme, and Santa Claus is a rotter! Nanny Piggins eventually slammed the book of carols down on the table. Well, from my extensive reading of these carols over the last five minutes, I have determined that they are all awful. There is way too much focus on evergreen trees and holly bushes. There is a shocking portrayal of Santa failing to stamp out bullying amongst his reindeer, as well as the lamentable untruth that a baby which is laid in a trough full of cattle feed wouldn't cry. Does that mean we don't have to sing at the Carols by Candlelight concert? asked Derek, hopefully. Of course not, said Nanny Piggins. It just means I shall have to rewrite all the lyrics first. But the concert's tomorrow, worried Samantha. How are we going to have time to rewrite all the lyrics and practice the songs? Oh, there won't be time, said Nanny Piggins, honestly. It'll take me a full 23 hours to fix up this deplorable poetry, another 45 minutes to prepare myself by eating cake, and 15 minutes to walk to the park. 
But that leaves no time for practice, wailed Samantha. Pish, said Nanny Piggins. You don't need to practice. I'll give you song sheets to read off. The words will be so good, no one will notice if you're singing in tune. With that, Nanny Piggins went and locked herself in their father's study to write. Then she let herself out, complaining that the room smelt of dead cockroaches and dirty socks, and went up to lock herself in her own bedroom to write. Over the next 23 hours, the children could hear snatches of songs coming from their nanny's room. Rewritten carols that included lyrics such as As shepherds ate their cake by night, all seated on the ground, the angel of the Lord came down and handed ice cream round. As well as The first chocolate cake, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. No cake, no cake, no cake, no cake, no cake tastes good lest with butter thee bake. As well as, we wish you a merry chocolate, we wish you a merry chocolate, we wish you a merry chocolate and a lovely big cake. Good toffee we bring to you and your kin. We wish you a merry chocolate and a lovely big cake. And occasionally, her carols took a more adventure story turn. Bad King Wenceslas laughed a lot as he roasted Stephen, based the boy with sticky sauce, deep and crisp and even. Through the window Santa smashed with some navy seals. Biff, boff, bang, and also bash. That boy is not a meal. Then, an hour before the performance, the children shoved an extra-large chocolate mud cake under Nanny Piggins' door. She'd had a cake flap installed especially for this purpose. It was kind of like a doggy door, except that dogs were not allowed through, only cakes. Then, 15 minutes before the performance, Nanny Piggins burst out of her room saying, Let's go! But what about the song sheets? asked Samantha. Oh, yes, I forgot to do those, said Nanny Piggins. Forgot them, said Samantha. If she put on her pyjamas, this evening would soon come to resemble her very worst nightmare. Don't worry, said Nanny Piggins. I'll jot it all down on the way in the car. Do you even have a pen? asked Derek, knowing his nanny might carry a chocolate cake, a jar of cockroaches and a bolt cutter in her handbag, but rarely something as mundane as a pen. Piffle sticks, said Nanny Piggins. I've got a mascara brush and a napkin. That will do. And so they set off. They arrived at the Carols by Candlelight concert 20 minutes late because Nanny Piggins insisted they had to do extra preparation, by which she meant swinging by to see Hans at the bakery and eating a dozen cherry danishes to lighten their voices. So they arrived just as Nanny Ann's choir took the stage. You're up next, a stagehand whispered in Nanny Piggins' ear. Nanny Ann's group was a sight to behold. They actually looked like angels because they had dressed up in costumes made of white silk, silver tinsel and an astonishing amount of glitter. They even had halos that were electric and voice-operated, so they flashed on and off as they sang. Not that anyone noticed, because as soon as Nanny Ann's group started, their singing was so sublime that the audience was entranced. For about three minutes. Nanny Ann's group did not, however, stop after three minutes. They went on and on and on. People started to shift in their seats and fidget. For the singing was beautiful, but that was it. The audience could not make out the words because their voices were so high, and Nanny Ann insisted on singing many of the well-known songs in Italian, or worse still, Latin, to make them seem more sophisticated. 
Inaudible lyrics combined with a lovely sound just started to put the audience to sleep, or put their bottoms to sleep, hence the fidgeting. I suspected as much, said Nanny Piggins with a wry smile. What's happening now, Samantha? Entertaining an audience is not about beauty, said Nanny Piggins. Well, partly it is. But it's also about astonishing, delighting, surprising, and most importantly, scaring the hoo-ha out of them. Sunsets are beautiful, but they happen every day, and how often do we even bother to step outside to look at them? Whereas traffic accidents are horrific, yet we always crane our necks for a sticky beak. So is that why you're so confident that everyone will enjoy our singing, asked Michael, because it's going to be like a traffic accident? Not at all, Nanny Piggins assured him. Our performance will be spectacular, because we have a secret weapon. At this point, Nanny Ann's group stopped singing and received rapturous applause, because they'd been going on for over an hour and everyone was relieved that they had finally stopped. The group filed past Nanny Piggins as they left the stage. I'm surprised you have the courage to follow us, said Nanny Ann with a smile. Oh, I'm delighted to, said Nanny Piggins. The audience will now be pathetically grateful to see a real performance. What the children did not realise, however, was that when Nanny Piggins said she had a secret weapon, she literally meant a weapon. And as they stepped up on stage, they could hear the sound of heavy machinery moved on behind them. Are we going to start, asked Eric, as they stared out at the expectant and bored crowd. Many of the people in the audience were openly checking their watches and muttering, when will this all be over? Suddenly, a huge 16-inch howitzer, that's a giant cannon, rolled out of the bushes behind the stage. With its barrel pointed at the crowd. Ah, excellent, said Nanny Piggins. The colonel has arrived and right on time. I do enjoy working with a military man. The pleasure is all mine, Nanny Piggins, the colonel called out from his gunnery position. He had been deeply in love with Nanny Piggins for a long time now. He'd launch a coup d'etat on the government if she asked him to. What are you going to do, asked Derek. Shell Nanny Anne? Goodness no, said Nanny Piggins. The colonel has the coordinates to fire at the audience. Fortunately, the audience could not hear her, or they did not believe her. Either way, no one started running away as Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children launched into their first song. And the audience loved it, largely because as they reached the end of the first line of their first song, their cannon fired. Boom! Blasting a giant chocolate mud cake over the entire crowd. Cake Icing cream and strawberry jam splattered down on everyone. Their first reaction was to be horrified. Then they began tasting the sugary goo, and soon everyone became delighted to be covered in so much of it. But the performance did not end there. Nanny Piggins' group kept singing, and at the end of every line, another shell full of cake exploded over the crowd. But each time it was a different yet equally sublime cake, pie, pudding, tart or gâteau. There was sticky toffee pudding, key lime pie, banoffee pudding, treacle tart and many, many more. It was like having an edible fireworks display blasted in your face. In short, the audience loved it. If Christmas is about getting together with friends and family and sharing your good fortune, what better way to do that than to be hit in the face repeatedly with the finest baked goods imaginable? And the people who enjoyed it most were Nanny Anne's singing group. She'd had them on a strict zero-calorie diet for weeks now. The air was so thick with sugar and fat that they were practically gaining weight by osmosis. 
But best of all, their white angel dresses were irrevocably stained, which pleased the mothers because very few people look good in white. When they reached the end of their set, the five carols Nanny Piggins had learned, the audience yelled so many cries of bravo and encore that they repeated the whole performance twice before walking off stage to thunderous applause and foot stomping. In her moment of triumph, Nanny Piggins looked across to Nanny Ann at the back of the audience. Nanny Ann looked thwarted and stained in her now ruined angel dress. A wave of Christmas compassion filled Nanny Piggins' heart. She walked over to her arch nemesis to make a peace offering. Nanny Ann, said Nanny Piggins. What do you want? asked Nanny Ann sulkily. It is Christmas, and we are meant to be good to each other at Christmas, said Nanny Piggins. So, as a gesture of goodwill, I would like to invite you to join my choir for next year's Carols by Candlelight concert. Why on earth would I do that? asked Nanny Ann. I know you would derive no pleasure from singing alongside me, a far superior performer, said Nanny Piggins. But if you were standing alongside me instead of in the audience, your outfit would not get covered in cake shrapnel. Nanny Ann looked down at her own hopelessly stained angel outfit, then across at Nanny Piggins' impeccable pale blue cocktail dress, and reluctantly said, All right. Then Nanny Ann shocked Nanny Piggins by doing something entirely unexpected. She held open her arms and gave Nanny Piggins a big hug. Boris gasped. He was so impressed. Oh, I didn't know she had it in her. Such technique. Good squeeze, arm extension and duration. Being a bear, he was an expert on bear hugging. As Nanny Ann walked away, the children stepped forward to join Nanny Piggins. What an unexpectedly harmonious result, said Nanny Piggins. You do realise that Nanny Ann only hugged you, said Derek, so she'd spread the stains from her outfit onto yours, don't you? Of course, said Nanny Piggins. After all, she is still a dreadful woman. But she doesn't realise how much I enjoy having cake stains all over my dress, which I can suck out later, so I am prepared to accept her gesture in the spirit that it was not intended. The End Thank you for listening. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>